1: Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs Twenty Four Seven. With me are my guys Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs Twenty Four Seven. And we got a uh, several different things to get to today. It's, we, we're not going to spend a ton of time on one topic, but we have three main issues we want to cover. Going to start with Georgia players reporting uh, most if not all of the uh, uh, 2020 class is on campus at this point. And uh, we're gonna throw it to our man, Rusty, to talk about that here in just a second and kind of discuss maybe some expectations for those guys. Uh, we've got a four star wide receiver that Georgia is, is in the mix for. He's a name, kind of a new name on the scene. If you fo- even if you follow Georgia recruiting closely, if you follow it from afar, I imagine you probably maybe have not heard of this guy, but he's a very good football player and a guy that's going to be making a decision soon. And we have kind of our first guest. On the podcast, it was kind of unintentional that it worked out this way, but Greg McElroy from ESPN and the SEC Network is uh, is going to be on in the second half of the show. I did an interview with him about Georgia's quarterback situation, Jamie Newman, JT Daniels, and and he gives uh, some really good stuff on that. Thought it was so good that even though it wasn't really done in podcast format, we felt like man, there's a lot of stuff here, and we feel like everybody would really enjoy uh, hearing it. Uh, but Rusty, going to go to you first here. Players reporting. You said last week that they would be in on Wednesday, and that's one of the reasons we waited, um, kind of an, an extra 24 hours to do this because we wanted to have players have a chance to to report before we you know talked about it. Um, big time for those guys. Do you know if there's anybody left from the 2019 class that that hasn't checked in
2: yet? Um, from the 2020 class, I don't know. JT Daniel, he's the one right now that would be a part of that class. Uh, Trey McKitty, I think, is finishing up uh, some things. I'm not sure Trey McKitty's here. I don't anticipate that being an issue. Um, But, yeah, you know, the big question was this morning in in the last 24 hours was when Keithy Ringo was getting here, there wasn't a, you know, I knew for sure he was going to be here uh, at least Friday afternoon. This young man coming from Arizona, so I understand he's moving a lot of things. Um, but he has arrived in Athens, from my understanding, late last night. He is processing his paperwork, and all those guys are, uh, from from what I understand, all those guys are there, um, except for McKitty, who I'm anticipating uh, soon. And then uh, JT Daniel is obviously going through stuff with the NCA to get here, and I don't anticipate an issue at all there. So uh, it's just a matter of a few things some dotting some I's and crossing some T's, and and those guys will be here. And certainly a uh, welcomed group of of offensive linemen, wide receivers, uh, defensive linemen. I mean, this is a very, very, very talented class. There's some high expectations out of this class, but I think when you look specifically at what this class can do to help Georgia win uh, in the 2020 season, I think all eyes are clearly focused on that wide receiver group.
1: Absolutely, man. And, and, you know, I wrote about it this morning. It's, it's kind of one of those things where there's not an automatic, you know, there's not an automatic guy in there that you know is going to come in and be an impact guy or, or or do it. And it's not because they're not talented enough. It's just kind of where Georgia is in terms of programming. The number one wide receiver is back. Uh, you know, you can kind of point to Kendall Milton maybe coming in at running back, but then you've got Zamir Wyatt and, and Kenny McIntosh and James Cook, all of those guys with experience in front of them. Uh, you know, the one guy I would say absolutely positively I would bet my mortgage on having an impact in the 2020 season is Jalen Carter. Uh, but but he's also got two seniors ahead of him kind of at that defensive tackle position if he's going to play the three technique and Georgia's is going to mix and match personnel there. But but I wrote about it this morning. I just don't really see, you know, that that automatic guy. But you almost know that a receiver of some sort is going to step up and be a player. Uh, you know, you uh, I, I don't know about you, Rusty, but but when I look at that, I think I think either Trey Burton or, or Marcus Roseme. Do you have anybody else that you maybe would point to as kind of maybe jumping out and being more of an impact guy in year one?
2: If George ends up with Trey Burton, they're doing some really good recruiting to get them to come back from the NFL. So I'm going to bust you up a little bit there. Jermaine Burton.
1: I, man, I did that all day on, <laughs> on early signing period. I said that name 45 times. Jermaine Burton, take, not Trey George, Burton. Golly, I do that all the time.
2: Georgia would take Trey Burton, big hybrid, tight end uh, you know, guy. But uh, I think uh, Jermaine Burton, Marcus Rosemey is, is two guys I'm, I really think is going to help. And And, you know, I've made no bones of – Jalen Carter's a guy that I, it may take him a little while, but as the season goes on and anticipate us having a full season, I, I think that Jalen Carter is going to be a guy that Georgia fans are going to be like, wow, I, I cannot believe we got that guy out of Florida. What a big get. Uh, he, he is really, really going to help uh, Georgia. That's a great class. I mean, look, we don't talk about this a ton, but Jake, I think you've touched on it. I certainly think the the right tackle position at the University of Georgia is wide open. And, you know, can Broderick Jones, can Tate Rattledge, one of these two young guys, you know, maybe even a Chad Lindbergh or somebody like that, can one of these guys come in and take that job away from uh, some some guys are already on campus? We'll see. But I mean that that that's worth noting that I firmly believe the right tackle position at the University of Georgia is wide open going into the summer.
1: Yeah, I think so too, and and it, there's not that there's not opportunity, but there's also a situation where when you do talk about that tackle position, you got Xavier Trust, you got Warren McClendon are, are in the mix for that as well. Um, you don't know which, you can't really put a finger on which offensive tackle may do it because you've got some guys. I mean. It wouldn't shock me if Chad Lindbergh was the guy. It wouldn't shock me if Austin Blasky kind of emerged. I mean, he I'm told he's over three hundred pounds now. So I mean he's a state champion wrestler. And we went all over that last last time we were with you guys. So it's it's you know, that it's just so hard to kind of nail down a potential starter, I guess, in this group. And and you know, I, I would say Jermaine Burton, not Trey Burton. But Jermaine Burton, I would say, probably has as good a shot as anybody because he's right there in that slot position, and and Dominic Blaylock's still up in the air. But, you know, that that to me is a is a big one, and, and I really like his skill set. Is, is the more things have gone on, the more I've really thought about him as a potential impact player in this class. Kip, is there any of those freshmen that we may not be talking about or you may kind of have as an under-the-radar guy, or, or maybe we've talked about him? that's kind of your pick to maybe uh, be an impact player in year one?
0: You guys have covered the main guys. I think, obviously, this wide receiver class is one of the strongest we've seen. You know, Justin Robinson didn't really get that opportunity to, to kind of have that spring practice, really get the full benefit of being on campus as an early enrollee. That's kind of one aspect of, of this class, where the early enrollees didn't really kind of get, you know, that that full spectrum of, of spring football that kind of gives them that, that jump on the other guys. But... I mean, a guy that I guess hasn't been discussed a lot, uh, I mean, Kalee Ringo. I think you just talk – you look at the secondary, we've talked about how deep it is. It's as deep as we've seen it at Georgia. But at the same time, you know, Ringo is a guy that is just a truly special talent. I mean, it it doesn't have to be at left or right cornerback. You know, he could – he could play the money position, you know. If they're in dime formation, he can be out there. He, he's physical enough that he could play star, you know. If if you need help at safety or if maybe you know uh, Lewisine is you know not picking things up as quickly as maybe he liked, if he comes in and, and and he shows that he's ready, he could play some snaps there as well. And in the return game, I mean, he's a guy that you could sh- you could tell on film. He is an offensive threat as well. You you could definitely put him back there at pump returner and see him make an impact there. I just think that he's got that big-time ability with the ball in his hands, and he's also just a truly special, talented cornerback that even with the guys they have right now on the roster, Kirby Smart, you know, Dan Lanning, Charlie Warren, they're not going to hesitate to put him on the field if he can come in and show he's the most talented guy for the job. So I think – Maybe not you know in key situations early in the season, but as the season progresses, he could start taking snaps away from other players who are more experienced and by the end of the season, you know could be in that too deep at potentially multiple positions.
1: Cannot wait to to kind of get ears to the ground here in the next three or four weeks. I got a vacation coming up, but once that's over with, cannot wait to get my ear to the ground. And start to kind of hear maybe who's impressing. The one thing I always, and it's it's happened this way because it's been a couple two or three classes in a row, Rusty. And you know what I'm talking about here, is I can't wait to hear about the guy that get, they like how he goes about his goes about his business because that's the guy that ends up being the the kind of the the buzz of, of camp. That's the guy that kind of ends up playing a lot during the fall and getting better as the year goes along. Dominic Blaylock was in that in, in that camp. Uh, Nicobe Dean. Was in that camp, uh, you know. You can think of several other players over the years that have kind of, kind of jumped into that. It's that maturity level. It's that ability to kind of push through that freshman wall. And uh, I really can't wait to hear who that guy's going to be because that guy is going to be the one that has a chance to make an instant impact uh, for this team. Another guy that that George is hoping to add in the 2021 class. Rusty, you dropped a dropped a nugget on us this morning over at Dogs 24/7, and without completely giving that away, because. We love our we love our audience over there. We love our uh, our members over at Dogs 24/7. Romelo Brinson. Okay, this is a four-star wide receiver. He's in our top uh, 247 prospects in the country. In the composite, he ranks 132nd overall. He's the number 25 wide receiver and the number 21 prospect in Florida. Uh, I mean, he this guy six two, 180 pounds. He is down to uh, to believe what is it four or five schools? Four, five schools. Texas A&M. Miami, Alabama, Georgia, and LSU. What are you hearing, Rusty?
2: Well, you know, I made some calls the last twenty-four hours. after kind of, you know, him making an announcement that he was going to commit, and, and Georgia was in his top five. And you know, me and Kip had tried not—we we, we honestly not tried not to. We didn't—we haven't really touched on that a lot. You know, it's out of state kid. We're having to depend on other people. So, I made some calls in the last. 24 hours. Was on the road yesterday. Uh, talked to a couple sources. Talked to a very, very trusted source this morning early, and uh, also talked with Steve Wiltfong. We compared notes uh, this morning before I made a post. And I'm not. I, I don't see Texas A&M as much as a player. as Some people may. I think this is down to Georgia and Miami. And you get a young man from Miami Northwestern High School. You know, the last four or five years with these South Georgia, South Florida kids, the way Georgia and Alabama and Clemson have won so many recruiting battles there, uh, it's almost almost like either you don't have a chance or you're getting him. There's not really that medium because they're either like, I'm out of here, I want to go somewhere else play college football, or I'm staying home. And, you know, kind of the vibe I'm getting as of this morning, like I wrote in the post, I kind of like where Georgia sits right now. I want to do a little bit more. Uh, calls here. Um, Steve kind of agreed with me that, uh, you know, Georgia right now might be the team, uh, that they very well could end up with him, you know, in what 11 days, nine days. Uh, we'll see what happens. But, but, uh, you know, I think Georgia seems to be in a spot where this is not a overly strong. What this to me, this class is not close to the depth of the 2020 class, 2020 wide receiver class. Pretty much down, I think, as a whole. There's some really good players, uh, but nothing like it was last year with the depth of that class, in my opinion. So I'm not saying Georgia's settling. I'm just saying these are important battles to win here at the end with guys like this because there's only so many of these. Uh, and I think Georgia looks to be in pretty good shape heading into this. We'll see what I, what else i learned learn uh, as we get closer.
1: Well George is obviously coming off a class where they signed five guys. I mean, they signed Roseme, they signed Burton, they signed Arian Smith and, and Justin Robinson who enrolled early and then Lab McConkey. And, and then they signed three in the class before that, all four star prospects. obviously George Pickens and Dominic Blaylock and Micaiah Tong. So it's one of those situations where if, if they could get if they can get Brinson and they can get Dion Colsey or Colsey uh, in this class out of Athens, that'd be massive because uh, then you get to it's in those classes where it's not as, as deep. It's mm-hmm. important to identify the guys you want, the guys you like, and to get those couple, two or three guys. I mean, this may not be a class where you want to sign five, but you think Georgia could probably get away with signing two or three. And, and if they can get Brinson, they're in really good shape with Colsey. And, and then you've really got something cooking there with the last uh, three wide receiver classes. Uh, Kip, what do you know about Brinson, his recruitment, his his ability as a player? How, what is his style, and what would Georgia be getting
0: if they're able to kind of win this battle? Well, Br- Brinson's a guy that, you know, our Southeastern recruiting analyst, Andrew Ivins, he's seen him play many times. He's a guy that has done a lot of camps but ha- has not tested to date. So as far as pure testing numbers, we don't have that to go on. But it, it's easy to see what he brings to the table, and that's that's a guy that, Can really make plays for the ball in the air and can play outside, can play in the slot, and is a really, really strong after the catch type player. And and really, I look at him, it's hard not to see a a young Javon Wims when you look at what Romelo Brinson brings to the table. Just the, you know, his ability to make contested catches and the fact that he's going to have to get stronger the next level. I think that's actually a good thing. Just on film, he has that physical play style now. And once he gets into a college campus, I, I think that, you know, he's just going to improve in, in that area moving forward. So you know that that's basically what I've seen from him on film and, and from checking him out. I think he's he's got the chance to be that, again, that Javon Wims type player. Georgia's needed or had a player like that. Every season, whether it's Javon, whether it's a guy like Riley Ridley, you know, now you see George Pickens, you know, being that type of player outside. Georgia wants that guy that can go up and win, win those jump battles and get those 50-50 balls. I think he's a guy that can really work his way into the rotation and kind of be that guy uh, for Georgia moving forward. I mean, they did an outstanding job in the last class, uh, getting guys that can really help them in, in that regard, I think. If you're looking for one or two guys in this class that can do that, he's definitely that fits that character, that profile that they look for at one of the spots. And I think, you know, looking at the wide receiver class as a whole, it's pretty clear they also want to get a guy that can really play almost exclusively in the slot and bring a speed element to, to, to the field, to the game as well. So... I mean, Georgia's not going to be taking as many guys at wide receiver this class, that much is obvious, and I think they are trying to get someone who can bring size and physicality uh, to the passing game and someone who can bring speed to the passing game as well. Uh,
1: You know, Brinson does run track. There's not a ton of information out there for him as far as track. I see a uh, a 24-second time in the 200 meters, which is an elite. But at the same time, it was you know from a year to year thing. You don't know how long he's run track. The fact that he's out there doing it lets you know that he can probably run a little bit, and it, it'd be interesting. Uh, you know, I always go back to one guy whenever I think about you know how fast they're going to be in college, and how you just never know. Is Chris Conley? I, I would have never in my life guessed that he was going to be a sub four four guy at the NFL Combine uh, following his recruitment, following him at Georgia. But uh, he 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 was. I mean, he was absolutely a burner. And uh, that was, you know, kind of something about his game um, that that kind of uh, that kind of took me off guard there when he went to the NFL. Kip, what do you know uh, about
0: Brinson's recruitment
1: uh, just in general?
0: Yeah, I think the one thing that needs to be pointed out with us covering recruiting without there being any visits the last couple months, he was in Athens in March right before, you know, this recruiting dead period took, you know, began, and. I think when you look at South Florida, a lot of fans have been looking at Georgia recruiting and asking the question: Are they going to be able to still recruit South Florida with James Coley going to Texas A&M? I think, and you look at what Georgia's done in the area. They've recruited, they've signed guys there every class, and I think one aspect that's helped them is having guys on campus that that he knows. And so when Romello Brinson was w- visited Georgia, he connected with guys that he looks up to Tyreek Stevenson Devon Wilson James Cook those are guys that he knows very well and he's seen them make an early impact at Georgia which is you cannot get a better recruiting tool than that I mean every player that it's going to be one or two on all their lists can I come in and play early and being able to see guys from South Florida make a huge impact immediately at Georgia is a huge feather in Georgia's cap and and I think that's helping them as well as Cortez Hankton, I think one aspect that hasn't really been, you know, really looked at much is he did recruit South Florida. I mean, him and James Coley were basically splitting the area up, even when James Coley was here. So you, you couple that, you have, you know, Todd Hartley also has plenty of South Florida connections as well. Uh, Georgia still is looking to have, an, you know, a, a strong presence in South Florida, And if they're able to land Ramelo Brinson, I think that that'll that'll prove that Georgia is going to be a presence down there moving forward. And when we talk about, you know, Dade County, you talk about Miami. There are not many places in the country that have more talent, more elite talent, especially at the skill position than South Florida.
1: Absolutely. just no better place to find it really. I mean I, I kinda caught some flack on Twitter a couple years ago when I said that uh Jerry Judy was the best receiver in the country because I'd take a South Florida stud over any stud in the country at a skill position and kinda caught some flack on it from the Donovan Peoples Jones folks. But, you know, there you go. Jerry Judy probably the you know won a for award first round pick and and an absolute stud at the college level and probably going to be the same way, at least I hope, because he's playing for the Denver Broncos. It's going to be that way in the NFL. Uh, on the other side of the break, we're going to take one real quick. And on the other side, we're going to talk, we'll talk to Greg McElroy and uh, about George's uh, quarterback situation and kind of give our thoughts on, on what he had to say.
2: Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you.
1: All right, this is our very first interview, outside interview on the Junkyard Dogcast, okay? It wasn't intended to be that way. I had I had gotten in touch with Greg about talking about JT Daniels and, and George's quarterback situation. He and I spoke over the phone and it just kinda was one of those things where I, I really enjoyed talking with him about it and hearing what he had to say that I was like, hey, well, I should find a way to get this on the podcast, or we should find a way to get this on the podcast, and, uh, you know, shout it over to Kip. Kip was like, hey, I, I think we can do this. So not a conventional podcast interview, but we do talk with uh, I talked with Greg McElroy here about Jamie Newman. I talked to him about JT Daniels, the possibility of maybe a competition, and, uh, and we also sprinkle in a, a question here about the uh, offensive of coordinator spot, and he had some interesting insights on that as well. So without further ado – uh, here's Greg McElroy.
3: As somebody who's been in a quarterback room, the competition, you know, kind of how guys take it, how it can make Georgia better, those types of things.
4: Well, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, we don't know anything about JT Daniels' eligibility. So, I mean, until we know something about whether or not he's going to be eligible this year, you know, there's not really a competition uh, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it's Jamie Newman. Um and barring something unforeseen, let's I mean if he does get granted a waiver and he's able to go this year, uh will he be able to do enough to contend against a guy that's a fifth year senior? You know, I think that's a that's a pretty big significant question. Or, or just a senior in general, excuse me, in Jamie Newman. Uh I'm pretty sure he read her, but I can't remember specifically. Long yeah, he short. did. He did. Yeah. I mean he's I mean he's a he's a legit first round talent. Um After seeing him last year up close, uh, they were playing against NC State that day, and and I remember being pretty enamored with him during the week. So um, I'm very excited to see what he might do. What I thought was really interesting, though, is that JT Daniels, in what little, little time he did play last year, I mean, shoot, he only played one half of football. But he was very impressive in that one half of football against Fresno State, probably the best half of football he played in his career. And granted, it was... In a little different offensive system than what we had seen from USC the year before when he was a, a, a starter. So uh, I think it's very encouraging. Obviously, the more quarterbacks you can have, the better. Um, but at this point, until we know anything about JT's eligibility, it's hard to really forecast. You know what the what the competition might look like.
3: Got gotcha. you. Now, w- when you when you you what was it about? Jamie Newman, you said you kind of became enamored with him watching him practice, and you know that's you know that's where it's all decided basically. I mean, that's where these quarterback competitions obviously are are kind of built is in practice. And I know there's not a competition yet, but what was it about him that that really kind of caught your eye? Well, it wasn't in
4: practice. Uh, we did one of their games against NC State, and I watched him really in the in the week leading up to that game, really studying him. And, uh, I mean, he's got a big arm. Um, he's very accurate. I don't think people realize just how accurate he is. Now, there are some things he needs to learn. I mean, he's a raw talent is what he is. I mean, he's got a huge arm. And sometimes those guys with big arms, they can't layer the football. They can't in- they can't negotiate around defenders or over defenders. And those are the things he can improve at. But, I mean, he's very, very accurate with football. He's he's athletic. He obviously looks the part. Um, with his size and stature, and, and he can he can move as well if needed. Even though he's not really a runner, he can run if necessary. So I, I'm very encouraged to see what, what he might do while being surrounded by a little better supporting cast. They had really good receivers last year, excellent, excellent wide receivers at Wake Forest last year. I don't think people realize that. Uh, but they had three legitimate studs at wide receiver. I would actually argue... And at Wake Forest, wide receiver last year, uh, prior to Surratt's injury, were more impressive and a little more consistent than what you saw from Georgia throughout the first part of the season. So uh, I think when supported, though, with an offensive line that's got really, I know, a lot of inexperience, but a lot of really good quality players um, and some guys at the ceiling that they have there at Georgia, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they grow and what type of chemistry they can develop over the summer.
3: When you talk about uh, Newman's running ability, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, he kind of, as a runner, he kind of compares to a couple guys you played against with, I mean, obviously not quite up to that level, but but he's a power guy. He's a he's a first and seven type guy, it seems like, every time because he can get those three yards. He runs Cam Newton uh, and, and Tim Tebow because of his ability to kind of do those things. What does that? What, how much does that bring to an offense? And when you've got a quarterback that you can kind of put in that QB power, QB counter type thing, and and, and pick up those short yardage situations, how much does that help an offense?
4: See, I, I don't think he's going to run a whole lot, to be honest with you. Um, I know in stature he re- resembles those guys, but he's not really a runner. Um, I mean, he's really a pocket passer. They did do some zone read stuff with him, some RPO stuff with him at wake forest and the way they did the rpo was really unique to wake forest um they did a really slow mesh rpo which takes a little while to develop but it forces the quarterback to play with really quick hands and be able to pull the ball and things like that so more often than not though he was looking to throw like when he pulled the ball he wasn't really looking to run that much i mean he was pulling it because the opportunity to throw the football presented itself. So um, I, he does have that capability, but I, I'd be surprised if, if Georgia leaned on it a whole lot just because they have such talented backs too. I mean, it's they're not in a position where they need the quarterback run game to really open up an awful lot for them. They might use it and sprinkle it in just to keep defenses honest, but I mean, Newman's going to make his hay from the pocket and, uh, and probably not going to be as much of an impact as a runner you know, in the SEC as as he would have been uh, maybe in some other leagues.
3: Um, now, moving to J.T. Daniels, what's your overall thoughts about Georgia adding a guy like J.T. Daniels, and can you see a negative in maybe adding a guy like that? I mean, it seems like some folks think that Kirby might be playing with fire, adding all of these transfer quarterbacks.
4: I don't think you can ever have enough, um, personally, and – JT Daniels I think he was a really highly regarded prospect coming out of high school Um, and right now I mean to have a guy that's going to sit and maybe learn your system and potentially take over as your starter a year from now depending on what happens with his eligibility I think is a real luxury Um, and a guy that's willing to potentially sit out for a year um, as he's going through the transfer process so uh, I would anticipate him probably sitting out this year and then him being in a dogfight for the quarterback spot next year. I I just don't think – I mean, you look at the transfer quarterbacks that have had success of late. Transferring sometimes gives quarterback um, – not that it's a positive. Of course, like in a perfect world, you'd love not to have to rely on a transfer guy. You'd have some homegrown dude that, that has been in your system for two or three years before he's forced into the starting role. But that's not always – really uh, available um, in today's day and age is how quickly guys are willing to move on, but there have been several guys that have transferred and gone on to have a ton of success, so uh, I don't really see it as a negative anymore, especially at that position, knowing that only one plays at a time, and it's, and it's really difficult to find the field.
3: Um, and then, uh, last I figured I would throw this in there, uh, Todd Monken, I don't know how much you know about him, but just george's addition of him as an offensive of coordinator uh wh- how, what do you think about the fit there what do you think about monk in the, as an oc
4: i mean I, your guess is as good as mine you know i mean i think the situation's similar to what LSU went through last year i mean we can hear all day long about oh well, we're going spread they're going to go more rpo we're to, like we've we've been we've heard that you know that's that's we're going to do more tempo like that's It sounds like everyone's singing the same song down there, but until we see in the fall, they are going to kind of have the element of surprise there available to them, which benefited LSU greatly last year. Um, I mean, they were able to play Texas, and Texas didn't know at that point what LSU was going to try to attack them with. Uh, So I would think that Georgia's probably going to try to approach the early part of the season the exact same way. And the fact that there was no spring game probably benefits them as far as keeping what they're doing offensively a secret. So I I think it's anybody's guess as to what we're going to see offensively. I would anticipate more spread. I would anticipate probably a heavier reliance on the RPO, just knowing what Jamie Newman's comfortable with and knowing what his skill set will allow that offense to take flight. But, I mean, until we see it in September, we're not really going to know at this point.
3: All right, man. Thanks a lot, Greg. We appreciate it, dude. All right, guys, Uh,
1: Rusty, I'm going to throw it to you first. And, uh, you know, kind of what was your thoughts on kind of what Greg had to say about the quarterback situation and and, and about Jamie Newman and and, and just bringing in JT Daniels and and how that dynamic can work?
2: I mean, I kind of agree with him with with the situation where he says, I don't think you can ever have enough. That's his first first part of that. And, um, you know, it's not an ideal situation to bring – Today's world, you know, these quarterbacks, you, you know, you want to have a guy and you want to have a guy ready to go next and it just did just doesn't happen and I don't know how all this played out with JT Daniels. I'm not going to sit here and try to say that we knew everything was going on. We we caught some bits and pieces there, but I think the, the main part, you know, that he talks about is is JT Daniels' willingness to say, "Listen, if I'm not in if I'm ineligible, I'm okay sitting a year." That so tells you the kids in the right frame of mind. You're not going to bring a bad seed into that room, and uh, I, I just I can't overstate enough the part where he talks about you got to have a guy, you got to have a quarterback, and if you have an opportunity to get multiple guys, uh, you just never know. Because look, if Georgia doesn't have J T. Daniel, let's just say J T. Daniel is eligible, and Jamie Newman is rolling. Jamie Newman is rolling, and Georgia somehow say they beat Alabama, and they're 4-0, and he gets a high ankle sprain, it's going to cost him three weeks. Your season's in jeopardy. But And if JT Daniel is eligible and you have that depth, then you may can keep rolling. You just don't know. And you look at – let's go – let's take one example. Ohio State, they played Clemson with Justin Fields with a sprained MCL. Let's be honest. We know we've all covered Justin Fields from high school up. He did not look the same in that game and was in mobile, and that changed that game. I'm not saying Ohio State would have won, but that did change that game. That changed the national championship chances for them. So when you bullet back down to what he's talking about, and I go back to his his first quote, I don't ever think you can have enough. And it was a no-brainer for Georgia probably once they figured out there was legit interest there to take that chance on getting him there, ineligible or not and see how things unfold.
1: An absolute no-brainer. I mean, there there's just no downside. I mean, I know there was some concern about there just being too many cooks in the kitchen and all that stuff and just being too much, too crowded at the quarterback position. You know, I told somebody the other day when they asked me about it, a friend that asked me about it privately, if you got four quarterbacks and there was a good chance you are going to lose one or two of them, What's the difference in having five quarterbacks and the chance you're gonna lose two or three of them? You're still gonna get back to the same number at the same time. I mean, listen, you can't you can't there's a reason JT Daniels is transferring to Georgia, okay? And it's because of the 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 ease with which one can transfer now because of the transfer portal. There's no way a coach can restrict where a guy can go anymore. And there's about to be uh almost certainly a, a one-year uh, a one time transfer exception for a guy to be eligible right away. That's going to ramp it up too. You can't just sit here and say, well, I don't want to take this transfer because, you know, it might block this one guy. Well, too bad because that guy, if he gets blocked anyway or if another guy gets blocked, he's probably going to take off. And that's just the way this thing is built now. And you got to stockpile the quarterbacks and make sure you got your numbers and make sure you got guys who want to come in and compete. And as I pointed out on the last show, 2021, all right, against Clemson. Georgia is is almost certainly not going to be forced to play a first-time starter now. All right. Now there were some things that could have happened in the 2020 season that might have changed that, but Georgia's got to travel to Charlotte, the Bank of America Stadium to start the 2021 season to take on Clemson and and if everything goes like it seems like it's going to go and that Jamie, you know, sorry, Jamie Newman's the starter in 2020 and and uh and and JT Daniels is the starter in 2021 then, you know, JT Daniels is going to be the star. He's going to have, you know, 11, 12 starts under his belt, maybe more if he's eligible this next year and, and, and gets some playing time. But it's it's a no-brainer. There's just no other way to look at it. It was the absolute right, you know, thing to make uh, – or decision to make. Kip, was there anything about what Greg said that stood out to you?
0: I mean, I I think he hit the nail on the head. You just – Georgia had at least one one spot, one initial transfer spot remaining – and there's not a more important position you could try to to, to fill that spot with than quarterback. And to be honest, I mean, they haven't had Jamie Newman in practice yet. Now, again, I, I think he's right. Until we know for sure that JT Daniels is eligible, it's Jamie Newman's job to lose. But at the same time, you want as much competition as you can get to that position. It's only going to help your team. Uh, I, I don't believe that quarterback controversies are as negative as people make them out to be i think it's it's quarterback competition just like every other position and unless you've got a guy that's coming in that's an established all-american then you you want to give yourself the most opportunities the most chances to to basically have lightning strike and it's not like this is a new thing. The only thing that's interesting about it is that George has brought in more than one guy. But I mean, you know, look at the last three Heisman award winners. Uh, how many of them won the Heisman at, you know, at the school that they, they signed with, you know, that they began playing with. I mean, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow that, you know, they went to other places. They went to what they felt were better opportunities for them to develop and to playing meaningful football games. And that's, I mean, that's what both Jamie Newman and JT Daniels have done. And so I think it says a lot about Georgia that both these players decided that this was the best opportunity for them. You know, uh, six months ago, people were talking about Georgia's offense and whether Kirby Smart could, uh, you know, turn things around and and really bring the most out of the potential they they have on the roster and and field an offense that could – put them in situations to potentially win national championships. And now we have two of the five best transfer quarterbacks available choosing to go play for Georgia's offense. We were discussing, again, will players want to play under Kirby Smart uh, based on what the offense looked like last year. I mean, not only did he bring in a guy in in Todd Monken that – a lot of players are excited about playing for, but I mean, they successfully out recruited other programs for two very talented quarterbacks brought in maybe the best wide receiver class we've seen at Georgia. And the whole narrative has changed. Now we're talking about Georgia's offense, you know, having a quarterback competition and potentially being one of the better offenses in the country. If one of these guys can win that battle and and really showcase what we think is an elite uh you know skill set whether it's JT Daniels whether it's Jamie Newman I just think the one thing that really stands out to me is just how that narrative has changed now Georgia has too much talent at quarterback I mean we're talking about uh, how could they take a second quarterback I think that that's just a humorous change uh, of storyline to where we were six months ago
1: absolutely and uh you know it's it's just crazy how fast things happened you know like all of a sudden george goes from no quarterbacks to one experienced quarterback to two experienced quarterbacks and uh just a couple years ago there were two quarterbacks in that room and then justin fields left and then there was one and now there are five and uh and that's just kind of the way you got to attack it these days i know everybody wants to kind of keep there's been talk of maybe recruiting one elite guy and then kind of recruiting a developmental guy and then recruiting another elite guy and all that stuff Listen, man, you go get the best players you can possibly get. You get them in there, you let them compete, you let them duke it out, let them kind of make their own personal choices on whether they want to be there or not, and then you just keep stockpiling them, and and it's going to work out for you. I mean, that's just the number one way to go about it. There's no way to walk on eggshells and, and balance it any other way, and and I'm with you guys. I absolutely agreed with Greg and thought a lot of what he had to say was important, not just about that, but just about, you know, the, the I thought he had some cool stuff to say about Jamie Newman and how he was impressed there and and kind of about Georgia's offense and, and, and Todd Munkin and all. Of that but um you know obviously y'all heard it and uh and we wrote about it earlier this week but that was the interview in full and that's all we got for this edition of the junkyard dog cast i'm jake rowe with dogs 24 7 they're kip adams and rusty mansell and uh, you guys take it easy